Welcome everyone to episode 14 of Raw Sport. My name is Ahmed Al-Huli and my co-host, Mr. Tony Sheen, joins me on the show. How are you, buddy? How's things? Ahmed, fuck <laughs> Another great episode. I'm looking forward. I'm so excited. I nearly swore. I can't wait to get into it. Ah, uh, lots to talk about, mate. Lots to talk about. I can understand the excitement. Let's start off with a very interesting topic, something that that's absolutely made me furious. We have a situation where the AFL's biggest fan base, right, needs to travel to Brisbane to watch Carlton versus the Lions. Biggest fan base. The Carlton, the Carlton fan base is the biggest fan base in the country by a mile, right? And that's and I'll explain that later. But anyway, <laughs> let me finish. Let me finish my point here. They need to travel to Brisbane. Very tough economic times. Passionate fans, they're putting their, their money where their mouth is. They're following them all the way across the country. What they hike their prices. What does Virgin Airlines do? They hike their prices. Now, this is why I'm so infuriated. Richard Goiter, the chairman of Qantas, is also one of the AFL commissioners. Virgin Airlines is a partner of the AFL. The people who drive the sport and now being ripped off by those that are partners of the sport that they drive. Can you, is it me? Am I going mad or, or do I have a point here? Was that a rhetorical question? I think the entire AFL fraternity is going mad. And just to go back on your statement only seconds ago, Richard Gorda is the chairman of the AFL commission. He is the highest point in the AFL land. Doesn't get any higher than Richard Gorda. And for he and Qantas, and as you pointed out, Virgin Airlines, led by Jane Hardlicker, and I think by extension, um, Rex and Jetstar, have spiked their prices for everybody wanting to go to the footy in Brisbane this week. Normal fares, I think, started around somewhere between $150 to $300, depending on which airline and at what time of day. Now we have the AFL quadruple, not the AFL, the airlines quadrupling the cost of an airfare to go and watch Carlton v Brisbane. I'll tell you how bad it is. The Carlton billionaires are all fueling up their jets this week at Essendon and Melbourne Airport in readiness for Saturday's do-or-die cutthroat preliminary final between the Blue Baggers and the Lions for a spot in the AFL Grand Final. It's 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 got me gobsmacked, honestly. It just I just don't understand it. I mean, I get it. Especially after these companies come out with record profits. They announced record profits recently. And now we're going after the most vulnerable, which are the fans. The fans drive the game. The, the fans drive the revenue of the AFL. And now we've done a full circle and just ripped them straight off. Cool. Oh, sorry, sorry to interject there. Qantas's reputation is currently in the toilet. Alan Joyce has had to leave his post as CEO weeks early and hand over to Vanessa Hudson, I think is the incoming CEO. I had a conversation with a football industry mad person this morning who is very well connected within the AFL and Clubland. And he is he said to me this morning only half an hour ago, why wouldn't Qantas and its board and its executive turn around and say, we can win some really goodwill here with the Australian public. The AFL is the number one sport in the country. Let's not price gouge them. And as you um, so eloquently described, the cost of living 
is driving people insane. So for all those wanting to go to Brisbane to watch Carlton v Brisbane, maybe give a little back to the community and win back some seats and therefore their profits may rise exponentially in the wake of this. This was the perfect moment for them to turn around and redeem themselves. And you know what they did? 100%. They blew it. Qantas? Absolutely blew it. Qantas is in the toilet and they remain there. And Virgin's with them because Virgin's an AFL partner and they're absolutely scavenging AFL fans with this with this price increase. Well, look, so, um, sorry to um, interject. Uh, we understand, being a business, that demand dictates cost of airfares. But considering, wouldn't you think that Qantas would turn around and say, you know what, let's give some goodwill back we won't treble, if not quadruple, the price of airfares. And therefore, you're going to get more people using the airline. And the flip side is, if Brisbane beats Carlton on Saturday, people are going to be wanting to come from Queensland back down to Melbourne. Wouldn't you think it would make sense? And I promise you, prices will be will, will be hiked as well. So oh, Exactly. Hey, we've got a special guest coming up this Thursday, part of the Carlton legend status, who was... Um, I think putting out an APB to all of the Carlton billionaires with private jets. And we think there might be at least three to four private planes leaving Melbourne on Friday or Saturday for the Sunshine Coast. Sorry, wow. Sunshine State. Wow. Lucky them. I mean, it's a bit more expensive than the $1,000 ticket, but, you know, it's it's worth the uh, luxury and comfort. Well, if enough people are paying, if you have a 15-seat Gulfstream or a Bombardier, they're going to get 15 to 17 people on it. If they were willing to pay, I don't know, three grand a seat, maybe it's worthwhile rather than a thousand for an economy seat, having to line up for hours and hours and go through silly checkpoints. Very true, valid point. All right, we'll keep going. Um, we had an eventful weekend of AFL finals. Can I just pull you up on something? Yeah. Most of all, who's going to win? Between the the Lions and Carlton. Yeah. My my heart says Carlton. My brain says the Lions. Yeah, I would second that. Anyway, we've got that out of the way. We can move forward. Yeah. So let's just recap a bit of the finals action. We had an an absolutely unbelievable heart stopping game on Friday night. Carlton and the Demons. What a game. You were there. I was there at the game, thanks to our good friend, George. Um, uh, and, mate, I've been to sporting events all around the world, literally. And and I've watched the Mayweathers, I've watched the NFL, college sport, whatever you want. I have never, ever experienced such an event as I did on Friday night. They say the stadium was shaking. When, when Akers kicked that goal, the stadium shook, I promise you. It was that loud. It was ridiculous. You couldn't hear your own heartbeat. They well, went, I could feel it in your voice. They went ballistic. I'm actually getting goosebumps talking about it. No I'm joke. I'm just listening to you. So this is a team. This is why I say they're the biggest cult. They are the biggest fan base. They've just been asleep for 30 years, literally, <laughs> since, <laughs> since 1999. Oh, since? Hang on. Were they, 1999. Uh, did they, was that when they beat North Melbourne? No, they lost to North Melbourne in 99 grand final. Oh, sorry, they did too. We should know that. We're North Melbourne supporters. I do. That's why I know. I watched the game. They won in 95. 
Exactly. They won in 95. They lost to North in 1999. And that's when Cameron Mooney had his five seconds of fame and played in his first premiership. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, anyway, so... Longman uh, played another three, I think. Yeah, he, he ended up being a four-time premiership player. So... Um, You're telling me that Carlton v Melbourne Friday night was... It was more than electric. It was earthquake scale. It's the... I'm telling you, it was the loudest crowd I have ever witnessed or heard. Ever. I, I actually wonder, considering that you and so many of the other 96,412 who attended were so ensconced and enraged with enthusiasm and excitement, that more hasn't been made of the crowd versus previous years, be it... Richmond or be it Geelong or be it the Bulldogs or be it even comparisons to the EPL or the NFL. Uh, from what I can gather, I mean, I, I was very envious that I wasn't there. I was there the week previous for Carlton Sydney where there was 92,000. But you and others have said that Carlton Melbourne was indescribable. Yeah, 100%. I mean, if you look at, if you look at the, the stadium at the time, I came out at the end, and, and guess who, who who decided to come out at the same time? Chris Judd. The fans went ballistic. Juddy, Paddy on the head, how's the stocks, you know, all that all that jargon. And, you know, they, they got even louder outside. This is a passionate fan base who's been starved of success for many, many years. Every, every Tom, Dick, and Harry goes for Carlton. But they haven't come out of the closet because there's nothing to, to come out for. There's been nothing happening. Michael Voss was touted as being on um, on the scrap heap earlier on this year. Considering, I think I can't remember the uh, the amount of win. Sorry, the amount of losses that he incurred. But the Carlton supporters were willing to actually get rid of him. And I know it was only scuttlebutt. There was nothing necessarily internal. But questions were being asked about. Voss's future as the coach of Carlton, now him and Adam Kingsley are probably going to fly for coach of the year. Well, 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 there's footage. I seen footage last weekend of actual the Carlton fans as well, after one of the games, the players were going down the tunnel. They went after him with everything. You're a disgrace, you this, you that. That was, I think, round 15, right? Now, let's fast forward until yesterday. The same passion in telling the players off was put into su supporting these players. And I, I, I promise you, what got Carlton over the line at the end, in my opinion, <laughs> was that noise. Because you you couldn't have been a player and not, not been inspired or really pumped by what was happening around you because it was electric. The atmosphere was electric. And, it was and crazy. Armour, that is a perfect segue into our next topic being what Eddie Maguire and Jimmy Bartell said on their podcast yesterday, and it was a note to Channel 7 to potentially change the way broadcasters interview players after the game. We saw Channel 7's Abby Holmes run to Carlton captain Patrick Cripps after the game and to put a microphone under his mouth and ask him about the elation, which is all good and well, but it is the timing. Eddie Maguire's made some fantastic points of late, and in this essence, he said that 
the broadcasters and be it the Channel 7 has the rights for the finals to allow the situation to breathe, that the viewers want to see the elation and the, the alternative being Melbourne in this instance and just, you know, the, the, I suppose the pain in their faces. This is the end of their season. People are retiring. Michael Hibbert from Melbourne will never see the MCG again as a Melbourne player. He's an AFL retired player. And Patrick Cripps struggled to think based on he was struggling for breath and also he wanted to soak up the adulation and the noise. Why can't we allow this to happen? 100%. And, and if they did do that, it would, be, it would make amazing viewing because people would get a real sense of the actual atmosphere on the ground. And I wish the networks did a better job of that, actually. Like, I would have had, you know, that that uh, barometer of noise, you know, how, how they show. Like, I, I would have had that on the screen showing the the level of noise in there. Like, that's that's how you engage people, make them feel a part of the experience, do things a bit differently. But unfortunately, that, that was not the case. And, and by extension of what you're just saying, I was actually quite perplexed by the FX mics which is the external microphone from the commentators. It was, for whatever reason, was really low last Friday night. I want to hear the crowd participation in the background rather than isolating the commentators. People at home who can't be there for whatever reason want to feel the emotion that you spoke of only minutes ago. 100%. And I think that's something that can be improved in the broadcasting moving forward. And let me tell you this, ladies and gentlemen, if Carter win against the Lions, Melbourne will be shut down for, for an entire week, I promise you, because these guys are absolutely mad. They made, their, they made their way to Ligon straight after the, win, after the win on Friday night. They stopped all traffic, didn't care about no one, loaded up the streets and they celebrated like they won a grand final. Well, My biggest fear for them is that, if, that they played their grand final last Friday night. <laughs> so, yeah. That's my biggest fear. Well, look, it's it's a bigger, it's a really big fear for a lot of Carlton fans. But look, you never know. I mean, look, look where GWS is. Uh, well, speaking of, the G, of GWS, another great performance by the um, Greater Western Sydney Giants. Uh, their captain led led by example. Jesse Hogan, one hundred percent, has come a long way. Um, I can't believe the year that he's had. And, and and how much better is he has become at sorry Hogan yeah I think he needed a non-football traditional state where there wouldn't be as much focus on him because he's actually a very good forward he's six very foot good for five he stands out he's a high marking ball forward and he's kicks I don't know what, what what's he kicked 60 goals yeah about that yeah absolutely he's definitely up there. So good on him and power to him, and he, and he performed very well on uh, Saturday night. Been dominant up forward for the Giants, and he kicked nine against the Bombers four or five weeks ago. He's a very good player. Absolutely. Um, how, how about, I mean, Zach Butters, he threw the chair. I mean, he, uh, he was trying to... Send the vision? I've seen the vision, yeah. Well, tell I've me... I've seen what... the vision. I... I I didn't like the way he went about throwing, throwing a chair. Like Armoured. If I'm going to be honest with you. Oh, well, what, of course I want you to be honest, but what, I, why? I'll, I'll tell you why. That that water girl seemed like she was rattled, right? 
What? She, she, is this going to become a sexist thing? What do you mean, sexist? What's that got to do with that? A woman that we should be more accommodating because she's a female? No, no. What I'm trying to say is you just, you just move it. That's it, move. Like, this is a cutthroat game. We whinge about technology and where the, the ball is touched on the line. She's in, in his space. They are behind. He's going for goal. So she has encroached on his space, kicking goal, and suddenly he becomes the bad guy. This is woke culture gone mad. Oh, no, I, I don't think so. Okay. I think it's, it's just common courtesy. That's all it is. I'm really surprised at your point of view. It's fine. So, so why? What, what, what's the issue? Do you have it because she's a woman or because of the way he threw the chair? Uh, the way he threw the chair... Uh, at her almost, like she, she, she was there and you're falling into that. Look, I, I, I find that in, in my culture, that is dis, disrespectful. It is. You grab the chair, move. It's like, come on, move. Let's go. Out. She should have done that anyway. But she, 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 she panicked. She should, panicked. Should he be reprimanded by the AFL? No, no, no. What for? No. Well, should, what should happen, if anything? Nothing. Just move on. That's it. It's happened. Okay. Move on. We are discussing this. People on Twitter or X, as Elon Musk has now called it, have used this as a part of cancel culture, and it is infuriating. No, uh, well, well, for me, it's not. It's just a mistake, and that's it. Move on. Nothing more, nothing less. That's what all it is. Well, Zach Butters, I'm with you, buddy. Look, it was head, it was head ahead at the moment. Very high odds. Game on. So on, so on. Totally get it. It happens. But it doesn't mean we have to now go and and bloody slaughter him on, on social media. <laughs> That's the thing in today's world. Nobody can make a mistake. Let's see, move on. Well, speaking of social media, I'm going to take us back a week where last Tuesday night, the highly anticipated decision of Braden Maynard v Angus Brayshaw was announced and the former Collingwood president, Eddie Maguire, was in a Hawthorne, res- Hawthorne restaurant as we discussed on our podcast last week, and he was heavily criticised for interrupting other diners. He was with uh, some of the Collingwood, former Collingwood players and announced that uh, justice had been served and Braden Maynard would be free to play. Now, player came out on... What night was it? Came out the other night and apologised on Footy Classified for his behaviour. What in the world is going on? Why does Eddie have to be have to? What's the apology for? Well, I don't know. He just he just said, "Look, it was in the heat of the moment. Maybe I was wrong. I apologise." Look, you know what? Me and Eddie have had our differences over um, over time, but I'm starting to agree with him more and more each week. Why on earth did Eddie have to apologise for something that was so innocuous? He's free to do as he chooses. Did he mention what he's apologising for? It was about standing up in the middle of the restaurant and announcing Braden Maynard. What's the, well, and what is the big deal in that? No, my fear, my um, my ver- not verdict. My point of view is he shouldn't have apologised. Now, what I'm trying to understand is what is he apologising for? For standing up in the middle of the restaurant and upsetting. What's, up- what's wrong with that? What, upsetting who? He he said something for 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 thirty seconds. Well, why don't you? You're you have access to Google. Under your fingertips, Google Eddie Maguire apology Maynard. That's work culture, right? That is work culture. Of course, right it there. Is. 
I can't yes. just... Yeah, no, I, I would have never apologised. That guy on um, Melbourne's Kiss FM, who is potentially losing his role if Kyle and Jackie O come to Melbourne, is starting to use other people's profiles to then go off on a tangent and criticise everybody. He's called Maguire a wanker and a dickhead. No one's heard of this bloke. Now he's free to his opinion. But why would you go out on such a tangent to try and leverage yourself on somebody else's situation? He's just thirsty, mate. He's thirsty. That's all it is. But if you're going to criticise somebody, make it relevant and don't use silly words where it's going to come back on the person. Ah, it's, it's well, shocking. Um, his co-host pulled him up. Good on it. Look, look, not that Maguire is, um, you know, without reproach. I mean, yes, people are allowed to criticise him, but he is free to do as he chooses in a restaurant within the parameters of that Chinese restaurant. 100%. I, don't, I think what he did was not um, worthwhile being labelled a wank around a dickhead within two paragraphs. I actually can't believe that this is conversation. I mean... What, what are we talking about? <laughs> George. George. Armoured, because we have been thrust into this woke culture because of the narratives of we discussed the other day about the media. One person can have an opposing point of view and it's part, it becomes part of a story. Uh, I, I, only if you keep talking about it. So we aren't going to keep, keep buddy talking about it. Power to you, Eddie. On, move on to the next AFL issue. All right. So this one for me is a big one. Port Adelaide signed Ken Hinckley before before the final series. He's come out and gone out in straight sets. Why did they do that? Why would you sign somebody, give somebody an extension, who's made prelims, made finals, so on, so on, but just can't seem to, to seal the deal? What's the rush in doing that, Tony? Why? Another great question, Armin. Um, we discussed it on Raw Sports last week that Port Adelaide bosses, led by David Koch, the chairman, and the CEO, whose name escapes me, it might be is it Matt Cunningham, and the head of football, Chris Davies, and Ken Hinckley's management, were all coerced or bullied into re-signing Ken Early, and this is the outcome they feared. Now, former... A former Port Adelaide champion or Port Adelaide champion and commentator Warren Treadray has come out on his podcast in the past 24 hours, The Big Deal, and has called for somebody to lose their job as a result of Ken signing. And, and honestly, I don't blame him because what's, what was the hurry? Why did we need to jump to that conclusion and get it done so urgently when we're about to, hit, we're about to go into a final series? We have plenty of time. Oh, I totally agree. They should have waited. And maybe it was that decision that's cost Port Adelaide a straight sets failure to proceed into the AFL finals. And now Ken looks silly. So what about, why don't we, now David Kosh lives in Sydney and presides over a club in Adelaide. Yes, he was. He comes from South Australia. And no, I'm not against people living in different states, as do I live in Sydney and work for a Melbourne company. But should we have somebody like a Warren Treadray come in and take over the presidency of the Port Adelaide Football Club? I would think a president needs to be very present, 
it needs to be in and amongst the culture week week after week. Um, needs to be on the ground. Personally, they're, they're my thoughts. I don't think living in another state and running a club from from a board meeting, from board meeting to, to board meeting is the best approach because if you're not on the ground, mixing with your fans, mixing with your community, being a part of the events, so on and so on, how do you really know what's going on? Yeah, well, it's a really good point. That, that, and that, which leads me to should Warren Treadray take over? He's their only um, club champion and captain of the uh, premiership team, I think in 2007, lives in Adelaide, highly intelligent, has a lot of support. So Kosh can stay in his Newport mansion up on uh, the Northern Beaches and not have to fly in and out. And yes, we all have technology. People will say we can do things over teams. But I suspect the players and the executive would want somebody, as you suggested, on the ground around the football club more regularly. Does Warren Treadray bring the commercial impact and value that David Kosh brings? Of course he does. Oh, I find it hard to believe. Why? Does Channel 7 sponsor Port Adelaide? No, David Kosh is one of the business leaders of our country. No, no, he's a um, he's a commentator with a great in in the business world, but it doesn't actually equate to bringing in money. If you're Warren Treadray and you are president of the Port Adelaide Football Club, brands come to you. It's an alignment. Yes and no, but in order to stand out and become the powerful club that you need to become, you need to have those relationships. Look at Eddie Maguire. He's got relationships everywhere. But he's no longer the president of Collingwood. Jeff Brown is. Well, when he was, we're talking about, he built that club. He got Emirates and he got all these blue chip companies to come on board for Collingwood, Holden and Lexus and these blue chip brands, which was fantastic. But they haven't dropped off because Eddie is no longer president. My philosophy, my, my point of view is, yes, David may have done a great job thus far, but is it time for him to stand aside and bring in some fresh meat. Look, Warren Treadray is 38 or 40, whatever his age. He's young. He's vibrant. He loves the footy club. He's played for the footy club. He's the premiership captain, and he knows what the youth of today and tomorrow wants. Yeah, that's that's all fine and well. I just don't know if he has the commercial acumen to sort of take the club to where it's where it needs to go. That's okay. all that's what I'm saying. Case. Put people with commercial acumen around you. No, another good point, but yeah, valid point. You ever heard that old analogy? If you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. Correct. You're right. There you go. I definitely agree with you on on, on that one. Well, why doesn't it rally you change? Well, I think it started yesterday. Fantastic. Awesome. Well, why don't we get him on Raw Sports next week? We'd love to have him. He's a legend. Uh, we'll put out a uh, an all PB for Warren Treadray. Yep, comes of it because, hang on, the phone's calling. Should it be? Should we go and get it? Get it. I'm sorry, ladies and gentlemen. It is not who we thought it would be. It is not Ricky Chicken Nixon. I don't know what's happened. We've got to put out an all points bulletin for the chicken. He is somewhere in Melbourne, most likely Port Melbourne. He agreed to come on our podcast. 
but there's no show. And actually, we have spoken to his partner, Melissa, and she's not even aware of his whereabouts. So hopefully he's okay. If he is okay, I'll tell you what, we're either going to sack him from Raw Sports or he's going to make it up to us. Absolutely. As, as long as he keeps pulling out elsewhere as well, it's fine. Um, not touching that. <laughs> All right, we'll keep going. Um, wow. So let's talk a bit about the Demons, Melbourne Demons. Uh, it's a couple of years straight. Straight sets out of the final series in, in both campaigns. We just missed a major oversight. What's that, mate? Well, I want to know, after all that talk about having a potentially new president, are we going to let Ken Hinckley off scot-free? Well, what else can can you say? If you, you're working towards trying to change a president, I mean, what is left? Well, no, I want to, before we move on to the demons, which everybody wants to hear about, I want Ahmed Al-Huli's view on Ken Hinckley and... What should happen, if anything? Three weeks ago, I had him as one of the coaches of the year. And now, if you if you go out, if let's say North Melbourne made finals this year and they went out in straight sets, we, fans would be clapping. They'll be over the moon because where North was and where and where 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 they've come to, that's a great achievement. So Hinkley as a coach, no doubt, good coach. Solid final series, campaign after campaign, so on. But he's the dilemma. The dilemma is it's becoming obvious that this guy can't get the can't get can't seal the deal. He can't get the job done. The job is winning the flag. Right. So so does Port Adelaide now turn around and say, okay, this guy, we know he's reliable, he's Mr. Consistent, we know we're gonna get so far with him. But we can't win a major prize, what we all want, what we all work for year after year. Do we get rid of him and take a risk on somebody else? Or do we keep coming third and fourth and fifth? Well, it's a really good question. I said the other day, and look, this is obviously hindsight, that he should have gone to the Gold Coast Suns and then Hinkley goes to Port Adelaide and then Hardwick goes to Port Adelaide. But... I think now they have to put building blocks in place around Ken for season 2024. Yes, they will make list changes, hopefully for the betterment of the club, which I'm sure that will happen. But they maybe they have to alter his contract and turn around. Maybe there are provisions in his contract. If they don't get to a certain spot next season, he doesn't get the last year of his contract. There you go. And, and that that should be that's what should have happened. That's why the contract should have waited till after the final series to see how far he went. But the the them signing the deal before the final series, I think it was a, it was a huge mistake. But it is what it is. It's, it's happened. We can't change it anymore. Um, and we really need to move on. Uh, the demons straight sets two years in a row. What's going on? Well, that's a good question. Arguably one of the most talented lists on paper in, in the AFL. Yeah, yep. But they have a really good list. And particularly when blokes like Harms and others are sitting on the sidelines who would get a game in probably 17 other clubs. 100%. And that's, and that's the thing, though. Like, 
after they won that grand final in, in 21, right, people thought they'd be back for at least another one. But it seems they, they haven't been able to, to pull it off. Yeah. Look, there's a it is very – I mean, I think Richmond, Geelong and Brisbane have given this narrative that if you are good enough to win one, you should go into two and three. It's one of the hardest things to win in history. Secure hasn't won one since 66. 100%. It's very, very challenging. But just with the team, the team that they have, half the battle is that the team goes into some sort of nostalgia the next year and they drop off. These guys are up there. They're in the final series. Mm-hmm. That's, but, that's the point. Mm-hmm. But then Kane Corns, the commentator, turns around and says, was Melbourne too stubborn to keep Brody Grundy out of the team? for the game against Carlton, and Christian Petrarca needs to be better if he's considered a champion. Uh, uh, he said something on the lines where we, we, we can't keep calling Petrarca as one of the elites because he, he's doing, the, if, if for as long as he's doing this in game, but I think that's, that's a big, I mean, this is another comment that Kane Corns is throwing out there so people can turn around and react to it. I think Kane Corns is very good at his job, but I think in this instance, he's attention-seeking. 100%. All right. Um, last question. AFL, should every final be played at the MCG? I'll go first. I think so. I think the potential environment that could be created had Carlton played Brisbane at the MCG this week would have been phenomenal. Uh, now, instead, they got to drive, they got to fly over to Brisbane to a 42,000 seat stadium that barely fits anyone. And yeah, it's going to be pretty, pretty, pretty disappointing. Well, I spoke to a um, club board member about this and he wanted to um, talk about a 10-point plan and I said, you know what should happen? That the interstate clubs should play at their finals at the MCG every week because it's the home of football, it's where they play the grand final and Brisbane has been criticised for not being able to win at the MCG. Now, the Giants beat uh, St Kilda last week. Well, they've won, I think, at uh, 12 games on the road this year. But play every final at the, the MCG. And then for the interstate teams competing, give them their own plane whenever they want to fly out, fly at a certain altitude, which is going to be better for their recovery, get them home in bed. So they don't have to go through the rigmarole of every other passenger flying interstate. Absolutely. Um, yeah, so, well, obviously that's, that's not going to happen anytime soon, but we definitely think that that, sh- that should definitely happen um, in years to come. All right, we'll keep going. Yeah, well, it's out of our control at the, at the moment and it's not going to happen anytime soon. So up to Raw Sports to create issues so that they listen to us so that then we can come back in months or years down the track and say, this is what we did. There you go. All right. From the man himself, as he, as he, as he um, <laughs> stops his face for an urgent feed. Um, food. There you go. Um, NRL former player Willie Mason criticised for criticising a current player. I mean, how dare he say something about or make some sort of analysis of a 
of a certain player. Yeah, he, he was – look, he was highly critical of the player who came out on social media and basically called him average. And then he then Willie was criticised by a commentator for being critical. As I said to you, this is – this woke culture is um, is taking over our lives. Yeah, like everything now is becoming a big deal. But anyway, we can just ignore them. They no, can go, go on the biggest tangents they, they like. You, you don't have to respond to everything. No, but you know, Armand, if Willie Mason wants to bring up an issue and be critical, that's his prerogative. But people who disagree with Willie should come out and oppose his criticism by bringing up a better point, not turning around and saying, you should not say that. You know what happens in cancel culture? If we lose the right to speak and freedom of speech, not only is media cooked, the world is cooked. So Willie should just keep keep going. Why would he stop? That's his opinion, and he should, he should keep keep saying it freely. People don't understand. Look, it, people, we as human beings are allowed to oppose other people's situations, but 100%. don't go after the man. Go after the issue. Oppose their opinion rather than going after the person saying, I don't like him or her because of the opinion they hold. They, they're mutually exclusive. Absolutely agree. Um, Rugby Union, Wallaby coach Eddie Jones says sorry for his team's loss to Fiji. The Wallabies are losing to Fiji. What yeah, the first time in 69 years. What is going on? See the disgust in your face. Yeah, because we we're meant to be one of the elite teams of the world. Well, I'll tell you how bad it is. Well, well, Eddie Jones has chosen a rookie side, and I can tell you here on Raw Sports that uh, former Wallaby Quade Cooper refuses to take phone calls or respond to texts from Eddie Jones. He is done with him. Now, Eddie Jones was blaming the media when he flew out of Sydney three weeks ago. Now he's apologising for the 22-16 loss against Fiji. What on earth is going on with the Australian Wallabies? Why would he drop Quade Cooper? What's his motivation there? I don't know whether it was a personality clash, whether he thought age was a factor, whether he didn't think he was part of the best lineup to take over to France for the World Cup. But whatever, it's been proven to be a mistake. And Eddie Jones, I'm not sure... They should have brought him back. But Eddie Jones would want to pull something out of his bag for the upcoming World Cup in France. I think he's in a lot of trouble, mate. A lot of trouble. But But anyway. You and I have been conspiracy theorists, or more so me. Did Hamish McClellan, the chairman of the ARL, so the ARU, did he bring in Eddie Jones to coach him to the World Cup knowing that they had a bad squad and that Eddie Jones would take the fall publicly for it? Uh, at the end of the day, it comes back to the to the uh, league, to the management team as a whole, not not just to the coach, because it's made up of your decisions influenced by those above you. There's only so much you can bring in and out. Yeah, but no. My point being, did the ARU, the Australian Rugby Union bosses, suspect that the team wasn't going to be as successful as they thought? And brought back Eddie Jones. 
But what I'm trying to say to you is, even if they brought back Eddie Jones, the team is their team. So at the end of the day, they all got they all have to be held accountable. Yeah, understandable. Yeah. So anyway, this is it's pretty sad to see the Wallabies in such a situation because we're, we're used to seeing them flying high. Um, we'll keep going. Formula One. Las Vegas Grand Prix happening in the middle of the strip. The strip's getting prepared as we speak. Lots happening. Um, I've actually got some some information from behind the scenes. Breaking so, news? Yeah, I wouldn't say breaking news, but, you know, behind the scenes insights that you don't usually get. So you have a situation here where these casinos, they build resorts. I don't know how many of you have been to Vegas. So they're pretty much... Their plan and their structure is so that you have everything inside their resorts so you don't have to leave. You keep sticking around, eating their food, being entertained by their entertainment. And the main thing they want to do is punt. <laughs> so um, so that, that they're putting this in this universe stratosphere world where it's all them on every, on every single touch point. Now, the Grand Prix... He's going through the middle of the strip. You got the Bellagio, you got the Wynn, you got Caesar's Palace, you got the MGM. Encore. Encore. So they're all hotels that are on the strip. So now we have a bit of a, a, a dilemma because each one of these tickets costs 1500 bucks minimum, 1500 bucks to $10,000 to get a seat at the Vegas Grand Prix. Now, what happens to all the customers that are sitting in these high-rises on the strip? Surely they get a free pass. They've got a perfect view. Correct. So the Grand Prix turns around and says to them, says to these Vegas owners, these uh, hotel and casino owners, they said to them, ah, we want $1,500 for every single person that's staying at your hotel during the Grand Prix. Serious? That's it. This causes a massive, massive uproar. That it caused heavy, heavy tension. <laughs> the other thing they said to him is you can't have any signage outside of any brands, whatever, so on, so on. Considering that that's their property, right? They can do whatever they want. Yep. So the Americans being Americans, <laughs> Thailand gets stuff, basically. And what they've done is they've gone and got all this signage led like net signage that lights up and they put they're putting it all over their buildings they're putting their brands there they're putting big marquees on their own land their own property no one can say words to them so what that forced formula one to do is come to the bargaining table and they ended up agreeing on 50 grand a site basically on the strip so this is the battle that was happening behind the scenes that nobody even knew about. These are negotiations that took place. So it's, it's a huge event, but sometimes these associations, they get a bit ahead of themselves and they forget where they are. Oh, I, I couldn't agree more. And from the vision that you and I have seen, they've cut down palm trees on the strip. They've put up all this um, concrete cladding and it, also they're, they're building stands. So therefore, people in Vegas they can't access the Bellagio, uh, the, the water feature, and it's basically becoming a ghost town with only cars using each side of the strip because of 
the build-up to the Las Vegas Grand Prix in December. We're in September. There's, what, three months to go. And they are annihilating the beauty of the Strip. I mean, yes, it's built out in a desert. And, yes, it's a little bit manufactured. No, the Strip... The, pardon? The Strip's amazing. The gambling, the gambling mecca of Las Vegas has been um, momentarily ruined by the FIA. The only... The only thing that I'd say is now the, the tourism starts to, to quieten down now in, in, in September. But in saying that, last year I was there in October and it was absolutely jamming. So yeah. it's still it was still very hot back then as well. So, look, I think we have to look at the pros and the cons. The Formula One is building a base in Vegas. It's costing $500 million. So they're spending some money on infrastructure there. But also they have to understand that it's not as simple as come in and shut shut everything up because they're there. There's institutions that are 10 times bigger than them on that strip and their own property that's the hottest one of the, some of the hottest real estate in the country. Correct. So or in the world actually. So that's the gossip behind the scene. That's what that's that's what's been happening. Really uh, good information. You've done well. There you go. All right, we'll keep going. Ange Postacoglu continues. His amazing form in the Premier League. Tottenham came back down from 1-0. Um, great win. Atmosphere was absolutely electric. The one thing that's really annoying me right now is the British tabloids talking to Andrew Postacoglu like he's, he's the first time he's, he's, he's been a manager. It's like, get over get over yourselves, you idiots. Just because he, he hasn't coached in England. He's coached, been coaching for, for, for 28 years. He's won multiple titles with Celtic. He won the Asian Championship with Australia. The guy's got a wealth of experience coaching in Japan. Move on. I like it. I second that. Well done, Ahmed. Very good opinion. Yeah, so it's just it's just getting ridiculous. The same questions over and over and over again. It's a, it's a joke. But um, anyway, uh, we, we wish Ange the best of luck and we hope he keeps winning. Um, and we'll move to our last point. Australian... Prime Minister Albanese has announced that the Matildas games will remain free to air on free to air TV. Well, what are your thoughts on this decision? Um, uh, I think it's reactive by the Prime Minister. I think more of this should have been done pre World Cup um, in terms of the Matildas. And, you know, channels, we discussed this four weeks ago on this very program. Yeah, we did, yeah. And was the only company that had foresight to believe in the Matildas on Australian soil and look at the um, the the huge windfall that they've been able to achieve on the back of that. So for the Prime Minister to turn around and say that it will remain on free-to-air, I think it should be to the highest bidder, whether that's free-to-air or whether that's pay TV or a streaming service. Well, uh, we can't exclude Optusport because they did also invest their money in buying the rights in the first place. Yeah, but you got to pay for Optusport. You didn't have to pay for Channel 7. Yeah, but it doesn't matter. They believed in them first. We're talking about people that actually believed in the in the Matildas and took the initial step. Sport on sold its rights to the secondary provider being Channel 7 for $4.8 million or whatever it was. Yeah, that, that, that was pretty silly, actually. But you know what fascinates me, right? These people come out and talk like, oh, they're huge advocates of, of women's sport, whatever, whatever. Total garbage. It's a political campaign, a, a political move. Where were you b before the World Cup? 
Where was that money be, be, before the World Cup? When was the last time you campaigned for women's sport? Huh? When? Show us, please. I, I, I'm behind you. And the other thing is, outside of Sam Kerr, the, the mainstream media has done, I think, probably little to continue the promotion of the female game in this country. Oh, it's disappeared, mate. It's disappeared, just like we, we, we thought it would. It's all about the moment. Right now, what we're seeing is a political ambush of the Women's World Cup and women's sports, and it's really sad because, because right now they're, they're, they're being used and abused, right, For, to pretty much cover all, all the nonsense that's, that's going on in the country, especially with Albanese, with all this other stuff that's happening in the background. So, yeah, we wish that, that they were a bit more sincere about it. We wish that they would actually really care and do a lot more than what they've said recently. Yeah, agreed. All right, that brings us to the end of our show. Chicken's a no-show. Um, he he owes us a big one. Well, well, we've got to clarify this. Well, he hasn't. He, he agreed yesterday to come on. He was supposed to come on at ten thirty on the dot. He hasn't shown up. His partner can't find him. We can't find him. So he's either going to be permanently sacked, or for all you fans out there, email us at. Contact at rawsport.com.au and tell us whether you want to hear from him. There you go. All right, everyone. Thank you very much. Uh, we, absolutely, we absolutely appreciate you guys tuning in. But before I end, I go to my co-host, Mr. Tony Sheen, for some words of wisdom. Yeah, my words of wisdom today. Armadar, Ricky Nixon, find yourself a telephone. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everyone. Take care.